Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. everyone and I'm Dr. Joanne White and it's a pleasure to be here and I'm very excited today because I think the topic that we have and the two people that two guests that we have are wonderful and are really going to share very profound and incredible stories with with you and I think something that's important is that many times many of us have gone through trauma whether it's a divorce, whether it's some uh, dear one or yourself who's been fighting in action, whether it's sexual abuse or physical abuse or an injury or healing from the death of someone. And we always think or wonder, how are we going to get beyond that? How are we going to move forward in our lives after something of this magnitude has affected us so deeply? And today we have an answer. And we have an answer with two wonderful people. So Shari Botwin, licensed clinical social worker, has been counseling survivors of all types of trauma for over 20 years. Her second book, Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing, deals with overcoming trauma, including physical and sexual abuse, war-related injury, loss due to tragedy or illness, and natural disasters. Her book contains real stories and practical tools that can shed light on how to let go of the shame, guilt, anger, and also the despair after a traumatic experience. She's conducted keynote presentations for universities and professional conferences throughout the U.S., and has also given expert testimony on breaking stories related to trauma on international media outlets, including NBC News, ABC, CBS, and so many more. And Shari has also published feature articles in several online trade magazines, including Huffington Post, the Toronto Star, excuse me, and the Philadelphia Inquirer. Janice Baker-Kinney, is a Bill Cosby survivor and one of five women who were called to testify in the second trial, which resulted in Mr. Cosby's convicted of three counts of sexual assault. Janice was also part of a small group of women in California that spoke before the State Assembly in Sacramento and helped to pass SB 813, which is the law which eliminated the statute of limitations on both sexual assault and rape. Welcome, both of you. And Janice's testimony is also in this wonderful book of Shari's, Thriving After Trauma, Stories of Living and Healing. How are you both? Uh, I'm great. This is Janice. I'm wonderful, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. I'm also I'm so excited to be here and to be able to connect with Janice and you, Joanne, to talk about such important stuff. You know, I agree. It's really important. And let's start with you, Sherry, because you wrote this book. And why did you write this book? I feel like I started writing this book even before I got out of high school. I knew for so many years that... I, at some point, was going to be speaking and sharing, and I started journaling a lot about my feelings and the shame I was experiencing as a result of living in an abusive home, and I think what happened was I just continued to hold on to hope that someday, not only was I going to speak and get help for my history, but I also really had held on to the idea that I, at when I was ready, I was going to share my life experiences with the world because I feel like 
There's so many people out there who need help and need to understand. And I think when all of the women started coming forward about Bill Cosby, that's when I really sat down at my computer and started writing this book. I was sitting at home one night and accidentally fell into watching the Dateline NBC show with Kate Snow, and Janice was one of the people on that show along with several other women that had alleged that Bill Cosby had assaulted them. And I remember sitting there and thinking, if these women can go on national TV and talk about Bill Cosby and what he had done to them, then I need to sit down and start writing my book. I need to really get the word out there. I just think that that seeing them really was the was the push for me to go yeah. from journaling and thinking about writing the book to, no, I need to write this book. Well, I think it's a wonderful book, and I'm so glad you did that, and, and it's powerful, and it really is going to help change people's lives. Janice, I have a question for you because I, I've, I've worked with women who've been sexually abused and also interviewed people, both men and women, and oftentimes their feelings about even coming forward, they're so hesitant. And so, you know, I commend your courage for doing that. How did you, how were you able to get the courage and the strength to publicly do that? Um, well, it starts, you know, it was difficult for me to come forward. There really wasn't a lot of courage uh, initially. I was encouraged to come forward through my husband and my, at the time, 16-year-old son. I, um, I saw an article in the paper about a woman who accused Bill Cosby, who was still within the statute of limitations. And I called Gloria Allred's office, um, attorney Gloria Allred, to let them know that I had a similar story. Uh, And I did not want, at that time, Gloria was beginning to have uh, some of the survivors come forward in press conferences. I specifically said I wasn't calling to do that because I thought my story was different than a lot of the other women. Um, they, uh, the other women, most of them had been drugged without their knowledge. In my case, I, um, I accepted pills from Mr. Cosby. So I still, 30 years, 30 plus years later, was blaming myself for, the, for putting myself in that situation, for allowing it to happen. But I wanted to help this other woman who was still within the statute of limitations who had a similar story. So I told Ms. Allred my story, and I said, but I'm not coming forward. I just want you to know I will help this woman if, if, it's, if it comes to a trial. I will help um, my, lend my voice to that woman's story. And eventually Gloria explained why it was important for me to come forward. And I said I needed to discuss it with my family first. And um, my husband was encouraging me, and I needed to talk to my son about it. He's, he was in, uh, in high school, and, you know, kids can be cruel at that age. Right. And he was going through a bout of depression, so I didn't want to add more to his plate. And when I explained to my son what um, happened so many years ago and what Gloria asked me to do in present day, he asked me, uh, would it help that woman that I was speaking about? And I said, that's the only reason why I would come forward. And he said, didn't you always teach me not to worry about what other people said as long as you're doing the right thing? And I said, yes. And he said, then you should go and, and talk with Gloria and the press. And it touched my heart when he said that, because here's a, a young man um, going through a little bit of depression um, at that age when kids can mock and be cruel if something like this came out. Um, and he encouraged me to come forward. And they gave me the courage and the strength to do what I did. 
You know, it's so wonderful that you had the backing and the support of your family because many people who've gone through trauma and especially um, physical and sexual abuse, like you mentioned, Janice, there's so much shame attached to it and also self-blame. And, Shara, you work with people who have gone through this, and, and they sit in your office and they they disclose the feelings that they've gone through, that they even experience, even though something like that happened years ago. Can you tell us a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit, of what's that like when people are revealing their shame and, and, and their truths about it, and, and how do you work with that? I feel like... It is something that I deal with multiple times a day. And as Janice was just talking, I could feel myself feeling all kinds of emotions just for her. And the fact that she could be so open with her her son and her husband and be able to have such wonderful communication with them and to teach her son at 16 or at 10 or however old he was when she started explaining to him if you're doing the right thing, it doesn't matter what people think. A lot of the people that come into my office are left with the feelings of shame and self-blame and have had nobody to talk to about those feelings for years, decades. So I think when somebody comes into therapy and they start breaking their silence and uncovering the shame, it is very painful and it's hugely challenging because these messages of well if I hadn't done that or if I didn't do that these thoughts and feelings are are something that they're struggling with for such a long time that I think one of the most important things about speaking is that every time somebody sits in my office and they talk about well maybe if I didn't dress like that or maybe if I had had my phone or maybe if Maybe I didn't say no. Maybe maybe he thought that I was okay with it. Every time somebody talks about that, I can say back to them, what you're, what you're talking about are the feelings of shame, are the feelings of self-blame, and we can understand the role that serves in somebody being stuck, being stuck in their trauma, being stuck in the experience. Unfortunately, and I think I even found this out through my connections with many of the Cosby accusers, a lot of times when people have gone through something like sexual assault, especially in their in their young adulthood, that's not the first time they've been through something like that. A lot of times people, when I'm talking with them, they'll they'll first tell me about something that happened to them in their early 20s, but then what I usually find out is that something happened to them a lot before that, whether it was when they were little or early teens. So that's the other struggle is that oftentimes trauma survivors have not just experienced one situation but have continued to find themselves in abusive situations for most of their young lives because that's the life that they come from. So to then try and help somebody that I'm working with who was sexually assaulted at age 23 to try and help them understand where the root of their shame comes from, which, again, for many of them comes from, um, you know, childhood or early teens. That can be a very difficult process. The the thing I I love about my work and I I think keeps me motivated and wanting to come here every day is I can see the transformation. When, when you find one person, whether it's me as a therapist or even if there's a listener out there listening to the show and thinking, wow, I never thought of it like that or nobody ever said that to me, sometimes all you really need is one person to say, you know what, I believe you, I hear you. And no, that was not your fault. The fact that you consented to taking something that this person offered, that you did not give that person permission to sexually assault you. Sometimes being able to just have that experience, even if it's been 20 or 30 years of believing something different, that can be freeing. It can be such you a know, relief, I and think I think that's what right. opens the door. Yeah. Yeah. I, sorry. I think you're so right. I think it's powerful when somebody is able to share, because it's painful to, to open those those memories and, and, and have all that 
those feelings, as you so aptly described, come pouring out, and and it's so important that somebody is there for you, listening and validating you, and and like you said, saying you know it wasn't your fault. Now, your book deals with more than just sexual trauma. The you know you you've interviewed many other people who've who've come forth with their stories. There was one gentleman who witnessed, um, I don't know if it was a friend of his or a colleague in war, and and again, Mm -hmm. there are, like you say, people question, what if I could have done something different? What if I acted this way? What if I took a different stand? So can you tell us a little bit, of that particular story, I don't know why that that stands out in my mind, but it does. So that's a story about a, a man who was in his late teens who went off to war, and in this particular situation, usually he was the first one to enter when they were entering enemy territory, and he decided he was serving with a whole bunch of his very close friends. He he says his best buddy, that's how he refers to him. He decided to let him lead this particular battalion, and what happened was this man then was shot dead right in front of him. So for mm. 30 years, he blames himself. Well, if I hadn't have done that, I was always the one that went in first. This was the first time he asked, and I thought, well, let me give him the chance to go in first, and look what happened. The thing that I I also really love about my work, and this is one of the reasons that I wrote my book, is we could sit here and talk about this particular gentleman, and Janice and I as survivors, we could sit there and relate to a lot of his struggles. Even though what he went through is so different, he struggles with some of the same feelings that Janice and I and some, some of my patients struggle with, the self-doubt, the questioning, the feeling guilty for for being alive when his best friend is no longer here. There are so many experiences that are different, yet on a human level, on a feeling level, there are so many feelings that we all really can relate to. He's struggling with some of the same feelings that we all struggle with. Is it okay to live a good life? Is it okay to be happy? For decades, he drank his pain away he lost a lot in his in his relationship with alcohol. He became addicted to the alcohol, ended up losing many close relationships. And one of the things that we found out through our work was that he felt so guilty about being alive that in some ways the alcoholism was doing to him what happened to his friend. He was beca- he was starting to live a life in isolation, and he was living, but he was living. In a, in a state of feeling alone and grieving and, and in pain. So these are the things that I feel like so many of us can relate to. And it's it's sad because if you think about it, when we sit and listen to this story, none of us would say to him, oh, yeah, you should feel that way. You know, it's a shame that your friend died and you didn't. We would all feel compassion and empathy and try to, we would understand his pain. I want to wrap my arms around him and say, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that and the horror that must have left you feeling. The other thing is, you know, I feel, yeah. No, I was just going to say, after all those years to finally sit in your office and to bear his soul and, and for many of the people that come forth to bear their souls and, and to finally come to a place of being able to forgive themselves and, 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 like you said, decide that it's not their fault. And you said something that's really very important, and that is that we all, we all can, even though some of the traumas are different, we can em- not only empathize, but some, that some of the feelings that come up are so similar. I've worked with people who who have had a a family member you know they're taking care of their mother or their brother or their father who's who's died and they've done a great job but even that question is I, maybe I should have done more maybe I could have done 
Y, and Z, and maybe that would have made a difference. And so I think we all, whatever the situation is, can identify with that so so very beautifully. And I value what you're doing with these people because I think as you help them heal, their lives become so much better, and not only for themselves but for the other people that are around them. I wanted to focus a little bit back on Janice because that that law, but that was a powerful law that was passed. Why was it? Why do you think it was so important? For that law to be passed, that law just eliminated. Well, Janice, why don't you describe it a little bit? Well, um, when I became very close with so many of the Cosby survivors, we formed this sisterhood of support. And um, two of the women from Colorado started working on a a law with a a senator or an assembly person there that um, would help to eliminate uh, the statute of limitations on reporting rape and sexual assault. They were able to extend the years in Colorado, but not eliminate it altogether, as did another woman in Nevada. And she was able to extend the number of years as well, which as we got all got closer and found out how they worked this, a group of Cosby survivors and some additional assault survivors um, joined together, found a, um, a senator in California to help sponsor the bill, and we lobbied our friends, um, the rape crisis centers, the um, uh, uh, police officers, sheriff's departments, all the everywhere we could to join us in supporting um, a bill that Governor Jerry Brown at the time signed into act. It was called the Justice for Victims Act. Um, we eliminated completely the statute of limitations on reporting rape and assault in the state of California. And what was wonderful about that is that It had been brought, a similar bill had been brought before the Assembly and the Senate 13 times previously and never even got past the first committee. And we were able to make it through six committees, three in the Assembly and three in the Senate, to uh, unanimously pass this bill. What's important about it is some of the things that Sherry and I have already spoken about today and that is the time it takes to feel safe enough to come Mm -hmm. forward and there's many instances such as fear of uh of your attacker because many uh rape victims are are victims by someone they knew or they know and you're afraid it will happen again you are afraid that um that they will beat the crap out of you if you say anything um, the shame that comes from uh, coming forward in front of your family, like, yes, my husband's been beating me, whatever, you know. And and um, there was one group that was against the bill, and which surprised me, and it was um, the ACLU, because they felt that this bill would impact um, – low-income people of color more um, and because an immigrant because uh, the people that are here illegally if they uh, expose their husband for raping them or their boyfriend and and that boyfriend was their sole source of income for living here he would get deported and it's just sad to think of all the reasons why people do not want to come forward mm-hmm. um, when they've been victimized. And so it was important for us um, to allow people to heal a little bit and, and get their courage to come forward. And like I said, I, what happened to me was the early 80s. And I never said sexual assault until later. And then it wasn't until 2015 that I could say I was raped. Saying those words are still a little difficult for me because of the blame I still feel toward myself and the shame of how I behaved in that situation. It still haunts me, although my brain knows 
that I was not at fault. My psyche feels like I still have that little dark place I go to where I blame myself and there's shame in there. So allowing someone to come forward when they are ready and they feel safe is really important. And that's why we fought for this bill. It takes a long time Mm -hmm. to feel safe enough to speak your truth. And three years is not going to do it. And, um, And we were so proud and elated that this bill was finally passed. You know, and I'm so proud of, of, of all of you that, that were able to do that because it does make a difference, and, and it's important. And like you both said, you and Sherry, that it takes time to come forth, and, and you have to wrestle with yourself and with the, the demons that are inside you to be able to, I think it's courageous, to be able to come forth and even identify, like you said, well, this was rape. And that's so important. Years ago, I, I did some volunteer work, and it was with women who were um, actually drawing and, and doing some artwork. And sometimes through that, and they were working with, with a, a clinical psychologist, through that they had buried some of the abuse and some of the sexual assault or what or trauma that they had gone through and through being able to draw and 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 relate together in a in a group sometimes that that shock of that situation came back full blast and and you know they had to deal with it again in a different way. And Sherry, I want you to talk about this a little bit because oftentimes when somebody goes through a traumatic situation that really rocks them horrifically in some way, they actually kind of leave themselves. They don't really leave their bodies, but so that they're not present for the experience, so that they don't truly seem to experience or even remember the shame or the pain or the actual event that happened. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. What you're describing is the dissociation that many people will experience when they're going through trauma. The way people will describe it is I was in the room with that person, but I felt like I was watching what was being done to me, and they don't really process in their bodies or in their hearts any of what they felt during the experience and many will continue to disconnect and dissociate from their experiences for years to follow because the enormity, the impact. Um, When Janice was talking about the statue of limitations and the work that she's done, I'm over here trying to just sit in my seat, but what you could picture is that I'm jumping up and down Uh, feeling relief for so many people because the process of going from being assaulted or going through something traumatic and dissociating from that experience to finding a way, finding enough safety to be able to speak for most people can take years. When When I was early in the work as a therapist, I didn't really understand that. I I saw that there were many people in treatment getting help in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, talking about things that happened to them when they were 10 or 20. I really didn't understand it. But then when I started my own recovery and found myself uncovering and working through the dissociation that I experienced as a child, it made more sense to me. And the longer I do this work and the longer I'm on earth, I understand that Part of what happens is that, and Janice talked about this too, oftentimes the trauma occurs with somebody that we have put trust in, whether it's a parent, an authority figure, a teacher, a doctor. The 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 struggle in that is not only how do you let yourself know that this happened, but how do you come to terms with the fact that this is the person that did this to me? How How do you begin to process that? And I think... The role of dissociation is not just to protect ourselves from the physical or emotional pain that we feel during the trauma, but the pain that comes with knowing the truth about a person that we thought was one way when what we really come to find out is actually that's not really who this person is or who who these people are. 
So I think while I never want somebody to dissociate and have that be part of their journey, I think for many of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, that's part of why I'm still here. I, I, I'm working with somebody right now who's beginning to integrate and put together her history. And oftentimes as I sit and listen to the horrible things that happened to her or the body memories she's experiencing as she's speaking, I think to myself, if she had let herself know this five years ago, she would not be here today. She would never be able to keep herself alive. And I know for myself it's the same thing. If I let myself know what happened to me as it happened or right after it happened, I would have lost my mind. I would have never been able to be the person that I am today. And I think dissociation is not something that we choose to use as a coping strategy. It's an unconscious defense mechanism that is a source of survival for many of us. You know, I and, totally agree with you. And, I, you yeah. know, it, it's a of actually saving ourselves during what happens and and like you said it's not it's not conscious it just it just happens and and we find ourselves just moving backward or or away from it and so it's almost like a surreal experience like you said so aptly somebody's sort of in the room and watching it as though they're watching someone else even though it's happening to themselves and yeah i think it's a very important survival mechanism so let's talk about hope let's talk about how people come out of this shame and and trauma and self-blame and get to a place where they can see the light where they can feel more whole where where there's a sense of, of, you know, life can have more meaning or more love or whatever. Janice, do you want to share a little bit about your story with that? Well, for me, um, you know, I, when my rape occurred, I was in and out of consciousness. And if there's going to be a silver lining anywhere in that sentence, <laughs> It would be that I don't remember a lot of what happened to me. I just have bits and pieces because I was so drugged. Um, But what happened when I came forward, that first step was not even close to easy. And I remember at my press conference, I could not stop shaking. I had to sit on my hands. Um, But I was fortunate enough to have this really incredible support system, especially at that time when all these women were coming forward and we reached out to each other and they became a lifeline to me. Um, The first few weeks I slept with my phone next to me in case anybody texted. We had a little private um, texting group going on just because I needed to hear them and hear their truth and hear their, their, worries and them crying and whatever and slowly and little by little each time I spoke to someone else about it I felt more strength I I felt I wasn't I stopped feeling so alone in that guilt I stopped feeling so alone in my shame and then the NBC Dateline happened and then New York Magazine did a cover story on us and with each Uh, appearance or with each speaking to someone else uh, my resolve became stronger and and every time another woman came forward I felt stronger because I felt like we were doing something for those who were still hiding in the shadows so I just um, it took a long time I mean it took over 30 years for me to speak my truth and then Luckily for me, every time I spoke or someone spoke about it, I felt stronger. I I didn't feel alone. And it's other survivors that encourage you and lift you up. And and you could I when I took the stand for the Cosby trial, I had found my power and my voice by that time and I was not going to back down and I was not going to take any crap on the stand and I was not going to stand for victim blaming, all that stereotype. It was empowering and liberating to... 
be there for others and speak my truth and not feel ashamed of what I was saying any longer. And I did say earlier, I still get that little dark moment, that, that little devil on my shoulder that says, well, you know, you did do this. But I know that I'm not to blame. And just being able to speak it and opening the floodgates and finding others that support you, whether it's your family or whether it's complete strangers, is so empowering. And each day I find I get stronger and, and, and powerful and, and just full of love and light. So I, I just I, I feel for everyone starting on this journey, but I encourage you to keep with doing what you're doing because there's light at the end of that tunnel and there's people who will support you forever. Wonderful. And, you know, it is so important to get the support. And as Sherry was talking about earlier, that, that validation that somebody cares, that somebody's listening, that somebody can, can acknowledge what you've been through and what you're going through and, 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 you're not alone, and that, that is so powerful. So, Shari, what does hope look like for so many of the people that you've worked with? What, 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 what are some of the feelings, some of the experiences that people have once they, once they reveal and they go through the healing process and they get to that place? I would say the first word that comes to mind is reclaiming reclaiming your right to have the things that you want in your life, to be able to face fears about being a parent or being in a close relationship or putting trust in somebody that you need help from, to be able to know and understand that what happened to you was not your fault and to be able to also understand how if you're walking around feeling the shame and the self-blame and the fear, those feelings keep getting reactivated in situations in your present. So when you're working through these experiences and you're understanding how you're triggered, whether it's at work or in a relationship or as a parent, it may be painful in a moment to be able to recognize where these feelings are coming from, but the hope is that I can name these feelings place them and continue to separate and say to myself, well, that that comes from stuff from my childhood or that comes from what happened to me when I was at war 30 years ago or that that comes from having been sexually assaulted. To be able to understand and name these experiences and pave the way to live life differently, the, the thing the, one of the main reasons why I wrote this book is when people think of the word trauma or assault or abuse, the, one of the reactions that people will, will give me is, how can you do that work? It sounds so depressing. And the reason I wanted to write the book, one of the reasons, is because I want to, like, shout out really loudly. The, la- the last thing I would say is that this work is depressing. Yes, there are moments where it's incredibly painful, Uh, There are moments when life can be really difficult, as Janice describes. There's moments when we go back to those dark places. But the hope in being able to talk about that, in getting support, in not letting those feelings stop us from living fully, what I experience at my office is I meet people who go from being alone and isolated to getting married, becoming parents, Climbing up in their in their jobs, speaking up, advocating, having having a fuller life, having a better quality life, and not only with other people but also with themselves. The hope that comes from dealing with our trauma is we no longer need to rely on anorexia or alcohol or drugs to keep masking the pain. We can let go of those self-destructive coping mechanisms because we have other ways to to work through our feelings and we learn how to honor ourselves in our experiences. There, There's probably not a day that goes by that I still will struggle with some type of feeling associated with my abuse. I don't feel, I don't feel sorry for myself in it. What I say to myself is, 
you know what, Sherry, that's just another opportunity again for you to work through whatever it is that you're feeling. And like Janice talks about, feel stronger, feel more empowered, feel pissed off enough that it's going to give me the energy to write another article or say something to a patient that maybe I wish someone had said to me 20 years ago. And to me, that's all a wonderful thing. If we can take the things that happened in our lives and somehow find a way to transform those experiences so that we can continue to live a good life, a better life, and also help the generations below us, whether it's our kids or our our grandchildren. To me, that's a wonderful thing. And I think everything that we're talking about on this show, while there are moments when I feel myself filling up with sadness as Janice is speaking and remembering watching her on the on the stand at the Cosby trial and in moments just wanting to run up there grab a hold of her and get her out of that situation, most of what I'm feeling is hope and and joy and almost like a feeling of freedom and lightness, going from feeling like I have to hide in the corner to I could walk out of my office and just start skipping down the sidewalk. That's kind of how I would describe the process of going from being in trauma, being abused, to living in silence, to breaking my silence. That's sort of the image that is is getting called up in my mind as I'm sitting here talking with you, both of you today. You know, you know it's, I so, have, um, it's so powerful sorry, you talked about the sense of, of feeling free because all of that trauma and, and all of the emotions that are associated with it and even the, the dissociation, is it's... It's kind of being imprisoned by your own by that stuff and not feeling a way or in or caged and not feeling a way to be able to get out of it and then when you're able to through all the wonderful things that both you and Janice Shari you and Janice have described to be able to get to that place where you can feel a different sense of self and a sense of freedom I think. That is is so beautiful and so important for listeners, like you said, who may be going through some of this experience or people, you know, sometimes I, I saw something that oftentimes when somebody is going through a traumatic experience, a family member, and we're, you know, we we may be as a family member also experiencing and sharing in their pain or their distancing or whatever so that other people as you you both say are affected by that so powerfully so strongly so i want to thank both of you we don't, we're almost out of time but i want to thank both of you for all that you're doing and for being able to change minds and change lives and help people feel whole again and be able to come forward and be able to move past the shame and the the self-blame and to really be able to see that they can live, and I love the title of the book, that they can thrive after trauma because that's what you you both are describing and that's what you were just talking about, Shari, that, that being able to thrive and to live differently and, and, and to maybe get, even get to a place of celebrating relationships and work and life and, and, and each day. That is an incredible blessing and one that you, you are not only doing for yourselves, but you've done for so many people. I want to focus a little bit on this book because I want people to get this book. And Janice, you have a very powerful chapter in the book. And Shari, tell us a little bit about the book and, and a little bit about how people can get a hold of the book and, and get find out more information. So the book is a compilation of different patients that I've worked with. I wrote stories based on the work I'm doing in my office about people surviving all different kinds of trauma, abuse, war, sudden loss of a loved one, life-threatening illness. And then what I did at the end of the book is I shared, there's a chapter in the book about my, my personal process of recovery. And then at the very end of the book, I asked some people that I feel so much love and admiration for, Janice is one of them, to offer 
what we call survivor testimonials, where um, they talked a little bit about their experience and offered offered words of support to anybody reading the book. So Janice offered a contribution. I have somebody who lost her son to a drug addiction, Jennifer Fox, the uh, Emmy-nominated director of the, the HBO film The Tale. She offered a contribution, a colleague of mine who's struggle with eating disorders, trauma, and had to go through some major back surgery. She offered a survivor testimony. So the book is full of stories, and at the end of each chapter, I offer different strategies, different ways to heal from all the different aspects we're talking about. So the shame, the fear, moving through the anger, finding ways to recover. Um, so it's, it's it has a lot of stuff in it. And the thing that I want to also let people know is you don't have to be a trauma survivor to read this book. What what some people are telling me is that when they read parts of the book, they've never experienced trauma, but they can relate to the feelings, whether it's turning to self-destructive coping strategies to mask anger or pain, the shame. Most human beings can relate to these feelings. So if you're a family member, a friend, someone that works with people surviving or recovering from trauma, I think that you will also, or I'm hoping, you'll find comfort in reading the book. Um, the book actually will will be released publicly on November 8th. So at that point, you can order the book anywhere books are sold, and it will be releasing worldwide in English. Right now, if you're listening and you're thinking, I really want to get a copy of this book, you can go to the publisher's website, and that is www.roman.com, R-O-W-M-A-N.com. The publisher has been kind enough to offer a friends and family discount code, so I'm going to give that right now, too. If you want to order the book and get 30% off, when you place the order, just type in the discount code, all capitals, R-L-F-A-N-D-F-3-0. The ISBN number for the book is 978153812561. If you didn't get a chance to get all that written down, the other thing you can do is just go to my website, www.sherrybotwin.com, and you'll see the link on the first page of how to order the book. And also, you'll give me that information so I can help to promote that, too. Um, is there anything else either of you would like to share before we close? Um, I'm, I just want to make sure that anyone that is just beginning this journey to know that it'll take some time but there's light and love out there. And sometimes I feel like standing on top of a mountain and shouting what happened to me. I am no longer ashamed and it's empowering and cathartic and it can be wonderful. There can be a wonderful life out there. Thank you. I would, Sherry. And you know what I want to say? I want to say the one thing that uh, I admire about Janice and all of the survivors out there that I'm connecting with, one of the things that I love about my life is that when we can heal from something that we've been through or a piece of what we've, we've been through, the joy that comes after having become a parent, now having an eight-and-a-half-year-old little man that I absolutely adore, the joy that he has brought to my life and the gratitude I feel about having found a way to confront my childhood so that I can actually not just be a parent, but really fall, just fall in love over and over again with my life and the love that I can feel in my heart as a result of becoming a parent. I feel so grateful about that, and I feel as though there are so many people out there in this world that can reap the same benefits. If you, if you are willing to face your trauma know your trauma and find a way to understand it and work through it. What what follows is a life of so much love and excitement and joy. I would not change a thing about where I come from, not one second of it. 
You know what? I think both of you were beautiful and incredible, strong women, and thank you so much for coming forward and for having the strength and the wherewithal to share your story, to help others heal as well as yourselves. Thank you so much for being on Power Your Life, and have a beautiful and blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. So think about everything that both Shari and Janice have shared today, such powerful stories and truth that can actually, as as they were sharing it, I was feeling deeply not only for them but for all of the people that go through trauma, including myself who've gone through, you know, like, we, like Shari said, we all go through something that can affect us so deeply. So think about where you are and whether you're a friend or a family member or going through something yourself. It takes time to be able to get the courage. You may need the help and other resources, as both Shari and Janice did. But remember something very powerful that has been said here. Number one is you're not alone, and there are people and organizations and and, and therapists who can actually help you through that. And also, on the other side of that, has been such be- so beautifully expressed today. There is joy, there is life, and there is love. So thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for helping yourself move forward in your life, even if it's one step at a time. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the Upbeat Show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.